Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings, the business side of dentistry, brought to you by Edwards & Associates PC. Join us as we discuss how to build your dental practice, optimize your income, and plan for your future. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Edwards & Associates PC is not rendering legal, accounting, or professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information that is shared. At Edwards & Associates PC, our business is the business of dentistry. For help or more information, visit our website at enassociates.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Bite Wings. In today's episode, we will be talking about practice management software reports. I'm your host, Ash, and within the studio, we have a very special guest to talk further on the subject matter. Her name is Nancy Kaken. She's the COO of Rosen Summit Dental Advisors. So, Nancy, hello. Hi. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me. Oh, always. It's always a pleasure. So, could you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So our company, uh, Rosen Summit Dental Advisors, has two divisions. We have a practice management division that we've been doing. I've been doing that for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And then probably about eight years ago, we, we dipped our toe into the billing space. So we actually do insurance billing for dental practices as well. So we have people on the road visiting dental offices all day, every day. And then we have our remote crew who are doing the, the billing. And then you're based in the East Coast. Is that right? Yes. Based in Massachusetts, you know, predominantly the, the management consulting, because it's a, a pretty hands-on model, mm -hmm. is done in the New England area, the eastern, you know, coast. But the outsourcing, of course, being virtual, we have clients all over the country. So that's great. That's awesome. And yeah. then, you know, in today's day and age, being able to actually do a lot of that work remotely, I'm sure that helps. Yes, of course. And I do, I guess I've earned my stripes. I don't do a lot of, you know, on the road anymore, but I... I do a lot of virtual coaching and I do, I log into a lot of software and, and do reporting and, you know, kind of analytics on, on reporting, et cetera. And it's not just you, right? You, you have a whole team that's basically going to assist you with the project. I do. So I have two consultants on the road mm -hmm. and I have 35 employees who are just enmeshed all day, every day in <laughs> insurance billing. So talk a little bit about the various software that you would call yourself to be a guru of. For me personally, because I'm not on the road as much, some of the more the more established software is where my comfort lies. I'd say EagleSoft and Dentrix specifically. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're just focused on reporting, it's just a question of navigating to get to the reports. Some are better than others. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my outsourcing team, of course, we work with everything. So we never know when a new client comes on board. We say, <laughs> what software do you have? Sometimes it's a, a, a monger we've never heard of. So they're very versed. So I have, I have you know, access to them for that, you mm -hmm. know, those reports and those softwares. But I'd say for me, it's EagleSoft and Dentrix with EagleSoft at the top of my list relative to reporting. Now, even with these other various software, the more prominent ones, uh, along with the new and upcoming ones, for, for a practice owner, there are some general reports that they should be pulling on a regular basis and keeping an eye out for. Absolutely. Uh, Doesn't matter the software. Correct. The, the content is still what, you know, valuable. 
Right, absolutely. And then, so the interface is different, but then the reports, the contents, as you mentioned, uh, should be the same and should be valuable information that they will be looking at. So, right, correct. Uh, what are some of the reports that you would recommend, let's say, to a startup dentist to look at on a more regular basis? Well, I think, you know, certainly for a startup, but I, I think this kind of applies to anybody. I think that first and foremost, you have to look at the reports mm-hmm. and you, and the team should, your, your team, and, and let's speak specifically about the administrative team, should know that you look at the reports. Mm-hmm. Because as you might imagine in the world I live in, in the billing space, we see a lot of really bad things that have mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. in dental offices. And I and I think that, that one of the things you hear about when you're consulting is, oh, well, we don't run reports because nobody really looks at them. Or we used to run that report, but nobody looked at it. So I think, number one, it's important that you look at your reports, some of them daily, some of them, you know, weekly, some of them quarterly, monthly. It really depends on, you know, on the practice. But on a regular basis, on a daily basis, the, the one report that I recommend that everybody look at is their adjustment report. And I would say it's not top of the list for a lot of practices, but that's that to me, that space is where somebody made a decision that you are not going to collect some money for some reason. And people can do all kinds of things in there if nobody is paying attention. So every day, what was adjusted today and does it all make sense? You know, you should practice owner, especially should never be afraid to say, gee, that that seems unusual. Or what was that? Or that doesn't seem to fit into that category because it's much higher than the adjustments from the past few days. Anything that that doesn't seem to be, you know, within a normal structure or stands out, you should inquire about that because that's where uh, a lot of things happen that shouldn't. Now, in your um, years of experience of doing this, have you ever run into um, a case where it was so obvious, but because of negligence of not looking at this report, there was maybe some fraudulent activity going on? Yes. <laughs> the simple answer <laughs> is yes. I would say in my outsourcing division, it happens once a month. Wow. That maybe often more often sometimes where we have to question write-offs that were just you know, we go in, you look at the patient's account, you say, well, gee, that could have been billed to the insurance. I, you know, why was it written off? And then you go back and, you you know, everything touches something else. And you go back to the information that came from the insurance company. And in fact, it was billable to the patient. But for some reason, it got it got adjusted off or people who who wanted to use their skill for evil and not good will <laughs> will hide things there. You know, they'll they may they may find a way to to take money out of the practice and just adjust it off the patient's account to an adjustment code that maybe wouldn't it wouldn't be a flag maybe you know maybe they adjust it off and call it an insurance adjustment but in fact it was a, a patient copayment that they chose to to take instead of you know recording so yeah i mean i could probably do a whole show on that and i'm not an expert <laughs> but i i do you know we have seen a lot but a lot of it is also just 
you know, it's not intentional. A lot of times people don't know. You try to read an insurance EOB and what you should write off and what the patient owes. And sometimes it's easier just to say, you know what, I can't figure it out. So I'm just going to write it off. And that's not always accurate. So definitely some education in that space for sure, for a startup, especially, you know, because there's so much to think about. It's very easy to hire someone and make assumptions about, you know, what they will and won't do or how much they know. You know, that's that's one of the things we say all the time. There's really no school for administrative staff like there are assisting schools and hygiene schools and dental schools. So most of the people that who are in that space have been trained by somebody else who maybe didn't know. Mm. So definitely, I, I don't want to belabor that for our whole conversation, but definitely one of the more important things. And the other thing I want to mention and relative to that report, but also production and collection reports. I mean, everybody looks at that and they look at the bottom number, you know, how much did we produce mm -hmm. today? But allocation is also a very big problem and can be an expensive problem. So when, when services are rendered, the services have to be rendered to the correct provider. Mm -hmm. And then when payments are made, they have to be allocated to the provider of who did the service, who provided the service. So in many cases, allocation isn't correct. People aren't really paying attention to making sure that the adjustments are going to the provider who provided the service. And as a result, we've seen gross overpayments and gross underpayments to associates mm -hmm. because the allocation wasn't right. And when that came to light and things, it was a very costly to, you know, even to hire us to go in and reallocate the money and then figure out was someone over or underpaid based on things not being allocated correctly. So that holds true for production, collection, and adjustments. Mostly the collection and adjustments, but of course it depends on how people are getting paid. That is true. I see. Now, who would you say should be in charge of this allocation? Well, I could do a shameless plug and say you know, the outsource, you know, should outsource <laughs> it to us, but I won't say that. No, I think the person that should be responsible and has to be educated is not only the person that does the insurance for the office, who, who takes in the checks, who posts the checks, mm -hmm. who reconciles at the end of the day, but a lot of the allocation issues come over the counter or time of service payments. Because someone may owe for four family members and say, I'm going to give you $100 today. And then it's very easy for, in, all, in any software to just put the $100 in and let the computer allocate. But what the computer is going to do is it's going to go to the oldest balance first. And as a result, it's going to decide where the allocation is instead of you doing it manually. And some software, do, some do a better job than others. And I wouldn't pretend to be an expert on which ones for those, unfortunately. But I can tell you that allocation issues generally are for the payments that are not coming from the insurance company. I see. Okay, so those are some great tips. Can you think of any other like uh, mishaps in the front desk area regarding the um, practice management software? Well, I think we we have a segment in, in our world we call patient retention protocol. So, I mean, the money, of course, is where we start. And, you know, before I get into patient retention, I'm sorry, let me just mention one other report that has to do with, with money, and that's the Outstanding no, Claims Report. It's important to look at your Outstanding Claims Report. It's important to make sure that there are notes on the report that you can see as an owner that you can look at and see, or even as a manager, if someone's doing that task for you, that you can see that the claims are being touched. 
-hmm. but you want to be careful that people are not just resubmitting claims. So what happens is in some software, if you resubmit a claim after it hits 30 and 60 days old or 30, even 32 days old, when you resubmit it, it can go back and look like it's current because it's just been submitted, but it's a resubmission. So sometimes it can make the numbers look better than they really are. You want to always check the data service as opposed to the data was submitted just to make sure that's not happening. But I would say it's really important, the person who manages that for your practice, that you know they understand that if a claim doesn't pay in 30 days, it's worth investigating because if you just resubmit it, you might just be waiting another 30 days. And now you've got a claim that's over 60 days old and still needs attention. So, you know, we really believe very strongly that when if it hasn't paid in 30 days, something may be wrong with the claim and it may need some attention. So that was just the last piece, yeah, I guess, relative no, that's to the money, the money piece. But we look at patient retention protocols because dental offices sometimes pay a lot of money to market and bring new patients in Mm -hmm. and you have to bring new patients in of course and we we love to track that but if you bring them in the front door but you haven't figured out how to seal up the back door Mm -hmm. then we always feel like it can be a waste of, of money and certainly time so we look at three things with patient retention and i think it's really helpful not necessarily every day but i think it's really helpful to look at First of all, whatever your recare system is, continuing care, recall, however you label it in your mm-hmm. office, it's really important to make sure that you understand how that's being managed. Because if you have a third party that's mm-hmm. managing your recall, in many cases, people think, well, I have XYZ company doing recall for me, but they don't really know if it's successful. And if you're still having a lot of openings in your hygiene, and yet you have a company doing it, maybe you need to examine and and understand what they are doing for you. Because in many cases, when we ask them, how do they work for you? How often are they communicating? People don't know. Maybe that, you know, maybe you're a new employee and no one's told you. So as a result, you're paying someone to do a service for you, but you're not really able to track it to see if it's working. And, and as a result, aren't getting the results you expected. So we still look at that, even if a third party is managing it. And we're always looking to see, you know, how, what the potential is. How much are you leaving on the table because these patients are not coming back for recare? So that's a real important one. The other one we like to look at is whatever reporting in your software, whether it's an unscheduled list or a quick fill list, where are your patients that had an appointment but canceled and did not reschedule? And that's a really important one for us because we believe if a patient scheduled at one time, you have a better chance of getting them back. So we would sometimes pull up those reports and people can be on there from 2009. They can be, we like to call them like the graveyard. People (laughs) get put there never to be seen again because either people are calling to reschedule or being called to reschedule, but instead of taking the patient from that report, they're just recreating that appointment all over again. So sometimes those patients have been in, and a lot of times it just does not get used or it gets used sporadically. So it's very important that that be an active place that you go to make sure that your patients are being being taken care of and certainly being, you know, someone's reaching out to them to try to get them back in the schedule. Wow, that's actually great. So, what would you say? Important. What would you say the percentages of those patients coming back, the ones that are said to be in quote-unquote graveyard? 
it depends on how long they're on there. I mean, we always say, how far back can you go to say to someone, hi, I'm calling to reschedule that appointment you missed three years ago. You know, you, 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 know, you have to obviously be careful in that way. Mm-hmm. We, we, we're very proactive in our training. So we say you should be very proactive and you should be reaching out to these patients a certain number of times in a certain number of ways before you, and then they should be removed from the list. So if you're doing it, I would say if you're doing it proactively, you, you could get 50% of them back. Wow. But That's if you're good. wait because, because our, the protocol we like is like 45 days mm-hmm. because, but again, when you pull out this little section about how to manage that report, but to us, everything starts at the beginning. So it's all about the phone call. When a patient calls to cancel kind of what's being said, and that drives your ability to get them back in our opinion. So in my opinion, so it would seem to me that the more proactive you are reaching out to these patients, you know, how the phone call is structured when they call to cancel all factors into the success of getting them back. But the number of patients that are on there, and we try to do it weekly. So the number of patients that are on there is really telling, you know, you want to, you're you're looking at the result and you're looking at how to get them back in the schedule, but you also really want to look at that and you want to say, wow, how come so many patients canceled last week? Like, why are people, why, why historically, if we track our numbers, why are so many people finding it so easy to cancel their appointments? You know, what have we maybe missed in the beginning? How have we added value to that appointment so that the patient is less likely to feel that they can just, you know, cancel? So it's kind of a bigger you know, bigger issue. But to answer your question specifically, if you have the right protocol and you're really managing it and you're tight, you know, these patients are expecting you to reach out to them because you've told them you're going to, I would say at least 50%. Wow. Okay. No, that's good. That's good. That's really good. Now, as you were speaking, I was thinking of two things from a software standpoint. Uh, Number one, which is, uh, is there like a note section on the patient file where if somebody from the office calls them and asks them to reschedule and if they give them a reason like this is the reason why I didn't reschedule like where they can actually jot down those notes yes okay now is that and the note is really critical because for you know when you think about you know every tuesday i'm going to look back at the week before and look who canceled and i'm going to you know decide who I'm going to reach out to to try to get them back in, you have to be, you have to know why they cancel. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't look, it doesn't look great if you're reaching out to someone who said, I'll be out of the country for a month. The notes section is super important. Even if you're a small office and you think, well, I take the call, so I'll remember. It doesn't always, isn't always the case. And sometimes someone might be trying to help you out and fill the schedule. So yeah, notes are critical. Okay. That's good. And, and number two, I was thinking, you know, uh, with the various software options that are available out there, a lot of times we see clients that may are in the process of switching from one practice management software to another. Are uh-huh. there any specific reports that you would recommend the clients to back up before they do the transition? Well, anytime you transition from one software to another, you have, you know, I think the most, the, the most important thing is that if you have a lot of junk, mm-hmm. it's coming over, right? So 
you know, an it's it's an opportunity to say, you know, we're going to start January 1st with a new software. So let's look at our quick fill list, our unscheduled list. Let's clean it up. Let's look at unscheduled treatment plans that maybe the work's been done. Let's get it clean and let's bring over as much as, you know, as real information as we can. Mm -hmm. But I would say definitely anything to do with the aging, right? The accounts receivable, patient balances, insurance, anything like that in any of these, what I would call patient retention mm-hmm. areas, because that's information that you really don't want to lose. I see. Okay. No, that's good. That's really good. And then um, from a housekeeping standpoint, these reports, the daily sheets, uh, the day sheets or, you know, the daily reports or the quarterly reports or the weekly reports that they're pulling, mm-hmm. where do you think the client should be storing them? Should it be inside the office? I mean, I know the answer, but I want the listeners to hear it from you, which is, is is it okay to store it within the office or should they take it with them to their home and store it there? Should they see the employees? Should they let the employees see that they're pulling these reports or should they do it discreetly? I would say save things that have, I would always save deposit reports and anything to do with money. Mm -hmm. I would always save those reports. I'm not sure what other reports are even necessary to say because the content is in there. Right. You know, the information is in there. And if you ever wanted to worry that someone was, you know, going back or change, you know, yes. you've got to close your months. Yes. you got to mm-hmm. lock in the data so that people can't manipulate it once mm-hmm. the month is closed. A lot of people don't do that. So I would say, I'm not sure to me, again, if you're only saving those deposit reports and that whether you have them in the office or not, I'm not sure that that matters so much to me. I mean, I think most people keep them in the office. I'm not sure that they need to be removed, but how you communicate to your your office about what you look at, I think absolutely the staff needs to know. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to, if they should know that you're watching, they should know that you're looking. Mm-hmm. I think that that I think that's when the, the trouble starts sometimes is when they feel that you're not. I'm not sure that they have to have rights to all those reports or audit trails, but I do think that by all means that those reports should be, you know, whether you gather them. I mean, a lot of times I'll, I'll meet with clients once a month. We go over the reporting. We point, I point out the things they need to do, then they bring in their manager, they bring in staff, and then we discuss it together. I think absolutely, you know, it's all about responsibility and accountability, and they have to mm-hmm. know what they're accountable for, and, and they have to know that someone's paying attention. Right, right. And then, you I know, hope that answered your question. No, no, it did. And uh, honestly, you also added something else very vital as you were speaking, which is locking the reports. You'd be surprised how many people don't actually do that. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So that's also another great tip. Now, right. we're coming to near the uh, end of our episode. Now, is there anything else that you would like for our listeners to know? Yeah. If I had to come up with like something that I think is important kind of across the board, mm-hmm. it would be to remember that all that there's a there's definitely a a, a disparity in the amount of knowledge sometimes between the practice owner and the administrative team about how much they know about what goes on every day versus you. But you should never, ever feel like you're a hostage to your team, to a manager, to a to a front desk team. I can't tell you, I had a call this morning from someone who said, I want to hire you, but I don't know how to tell my manager. So I'm going to think about it. So mm. you, 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 all, you, you know, you're, 
there, there, you know, that's your obligation as the practice owner to run a viable business and to keep the practice running. And so you have to be able to know what's going on. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask questions. If someone's feelings are hurt or they take it personally, that would be a red flag to me. I was a manager for 25 years. I begged my doctors to know everything that was going on. I wanted them involved. I, I think a good, a good manager, a good team, if you're doing good work, you're proud of it and you want your docs to know. And anytime that doesn't happen, it's a bit of a flag. So don't be afraid to ask questions about the, about your business. I think that to me would sum it up. Oh, that's great. And also, if you would want our listeners to uh, know about Rosen Summit Dental Advisors, feel free to plug in here. Okay. Well, we would be delighted to do that. We have a website. It's rsdentaladvisors.com. And there's some information on there for sure. And then contact information for me. I'm kind of the, the hub, if you will, in terms of, you know, taking in inquiries about what we what we do. I have a manager in my outsourcing division and a business manager who kind of take it from there. But I'd be delighted. And if anybody listening just has a question, I'm always happy to, to answer a question, you know, a quick question. If I can, if I can help, I'd be happy to. Great. And if you can uh, leave the contact information for them to reach out to you if they have questions, that would be great. You can reach me at nkagan, K-A-G-A-N, at rsdentaladvisors, with an O-R-S at the end, dot com. So nkagan at rsdentaladvisors.com or on my cell phone at 781-724-7975. Wow. Great. Thank you so much for being on our episode today, Nancy. You shared so many great tips, and I can't wait to work with you again. Excellent. Same here. All right. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond by Wings on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or reach out to us on our website. You can also shoot us an email at info at eandassociates.com.